Hey, welcome to First Church. It is so great to see you guys. There's no place I'd rather be than right here with our church family. So it's great seeing you guys in person as well as welcoming in our online family. If you guys are here in person, would you welcome in our online community? Thank them for being with us today. And we're glad you guys are part of our church as well. And last Sunday, if you were with us, it was an incredible day here at First Church. We had hundreds of people rededicate their lives, recommit their lives to what we're calling our discipleship triangle. And some people committed their lives to it for the very first time. Where basically, we ask for anyone who's part of our church to commit themselves to pursuing Jesus, growing together in community, and unleashing love, serving his kingdom on earth. And it was awesome to see so many people commit to this last week. And if you did commit, you know you got one of these magnets. You could take home, put that on your fridge or wherever as a reminder of the commitment you made last Sunday. But also you could pick up a light bulb and go screw it into the big Jesus sign that we made out in our lobby. You've probably seen it out there this morning. Here are some pictures of some people screwing in some light bulbs last week. It was really neat to see families do it and couples do it and individuals do it. It's just an awesome moment. And when you get to the end of these pictures, this is what it looks like now. And it's really cool lit up. In fact, it's kind of blinding when you look at it straight on if you've seen it already. But all these green bulbs, that's our online community. So you guys who signed up last week and committed to this challenge, we put bulbs in there for you guys as well. And I just think it's a really cool thing. And you can still do that today. If you want to fill out the form online and go to our app and do it, we also have them out at the hub. You can go ahead and commit yourself to following our discipleship triangle because we believed a healthy spiritual life is a balanced spiritual life. A balanced spiritual life of pursuing Jesus, growing together in community, and unleashing love. And so that challenge is still going on. If you want to get your light bulb today, you can do just that. But this right here is an image of what we are all about as a church, shining Jesus into the midst of this dark world. Because in the midst of all the chaos and uncertainty and confusion that exists in our world today, people need Jesus. He is the light of the world, and that's why we're here as a church. We're not here to sit on our hands. We're not here to pay the rent. We're not here to waste time until we die. We're here to make an impact on the world by shining his light. We believe we are here at this point in history to make Jesus known to the world. But here's the thing. In order to make him known, we have to first know him. We have to know the one that we're trying to share with the world. Let me put it this way. It's nearly impossible to invite others into a relationship with Jesus that you don't have yourself. And that's what this series that we're launching today is all about. We're calling it, This is Jesus. Because we want to celebrate who Jesus is, but make sure we know him. Because there's a lot of false ideas floating around our culture today about Jesus. And sometimes people don't know him near as well as they should. Allison, my wife, and I, we were uh, going through some old pictures and videos on one of our phones the other day, and we came across this video clip that we took about three and a half or so years ago of Alex, our son. He was watching the movie Sing, and he used to love this movie. If you've seen it, it's a lot of fun. It's about some cartoon animals that are in a singing competition, kind of like American Idol style. And one of the characters is named Johnny. It's Johnny right there. And Johnny is a great singer, great performer, great musician, but he's really timid, and he's afraid to get up on stage. And eventually 
eventually at the end of the movie, he comes out of his shell and he really just lets loose and does an awesome performance. And that was one of Alex's favorite parts of this movie. And we used to watch him just go crazy whenever Johnny would sing. And one time we filmed him cheering on Johnny saying, get it, Johnny, get it, Johnny. And I've shown this clip to you guys before, but we came across it the other day and I thought, I got to share it again. It's so cute. Take a look at this. I love that. Get it, Johnny. Get it, Johnny. And then he has this moment of clarity, like, well, who's Johnny? Am I cheering for the right person? You know, like, he has to think about it for a second. You know, it makes me a little sad because he was so little then. He's grown up in three and a half years or however long it's been, but still, it's a cute video. But you know, I think it's also an illustration of how some people treat Jesus today. And we come to church and we talk about Jesus. We sing about Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. We hear sermons about Jesus. We even say things like, Man, what the world needs right now is Jesus. But how well do we really know him? What if we ask the question, who's Jesus? Would you know how to answer that question? Do you know him well enough to answer that question? Who is this Jesus that we talk about so much? No one has changed the world more than him. No one has had more influence on the world than him. But who is he exactly? Because just about everybody in our culture recognizes his name. But like I said, there are a lot of false ideas floating around in our culture today about him. Ideas that are based more on our opinions about him than reality. Ideas that have been formed because of misinformation that's been given to us. Or just traditions that have been passed down that aren't necessarily biblically true. There's a lot of ideas about Jesus out there, but are they based more on the image that we have created of Jesus in our own minds? Based on who we think he should be rather than who he really is who is Jesus see that's what this series we're in is all about because we want to celebrate who Jesus really is in the weeks leading up to Easter because on Easter Sunday which is just like what four or five weeks away it's hard to believe isn't it we're going to celebrate Jesus because he changed the world by rising from the dead but who is this one that we're celebrating well that's what we're going to talk about we're going to look at him because he wants to be made known you see his identity it isn't a mystery He's not hiding himself from us. He came to make himself known. And here's the thing. He wants to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. He wants you to know him on a personal level. And when you do know him, I mean like for real know him, know the real Jesus, he will change your life. Because he will show you how to live with true peace, true contentment, true satisfaction, he will show you how to experience true joy, how to experience real hope and real love. That's what he wants all of us to experience today. And the only way to have that is by living in a real relationship with him. Here's the thing. The better you know Jesus, the better you'll understand God's purpose for your life. So we want to celebrate him 
And we want to rediscover him throughout this series as we, get, as we move forward towards Easter, as we move closer and closer to Easter. And this is exactly what a guy in Mark chapter 10 found out. He found out that Jesus, that his life mattered to Jesus. And his name is Bartimaeus. And you may have heard of Bartimaeus before, and maybe you haven't. But his name literally means son of honor. But Bartimaeus lived anything but an honorable life. Bartimaeus, who we meet in Mark chapter 10, well, he was despised by a lot of people. He was disrespected. He was kind of considered a nuisance and a nobody. All of his life, Bartimaeus, he had been ignored, rejected, overlooked, forgotten about. That is until he met Jesus. And Jesus let him know that his life, Bartimaeus' life, mattered to him that Bartimaeus, he was loved by Jesus. And I think that's the same thing that Jesus wants you to know today as well. If you don't hear anything else that I say today, I want you to hear this. Your life matters to Jesus, and don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise. No matter where you've been or what you've done or what's been done to you, your life matters to Jesus. And if you feel unloved right now, and that may be a real feeling, because Satan loves to whisper lies in our ears. If you feel unloved right now, I want to let you know you're not. If you feel rejected right now, I want to let you know there's one who wants to welcome you into his arms. You have never lived an unloved day in your life. Your life matters to Jesus. And that's what this guy named Bartimaeus needed to find out. And that's what he does find out as he encounters Jesus one day. So look up with me if you would, Mark chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 46. And Bartimaeus' story starts like this. It says, then they came to Jericho. Now the they here is Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus and his disciples, they are traveling to Jerusalem. And Jericho was kind of the last stop you would make before you would arrive in Jerusalem. So then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So here's what's going on. Jesus and his disciples are going to Jerusalem for a purpose, for a reason. We're at the end of Jesus' life here. Jesus is getting ready to go to Jerusalem in order to pay the price for all of mankind's sin. I mean, he's getting to go to Jerusalem to be arrested and crucified, and then he's going to rise from the dead. And so what you find out is right after Bartimaeus' story in Mark chapter 10, the triumphal entry takes place when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem to do the biggest act that has ever happened in the history of the world, paying the price of mankind's sin. So at the end of Jesus' life, and Jesus is headed to Jerusalem for the whole reason why he came. And here's the thing, there's a whole lot of people in Jerusalem right now because we're just a few days away from Passover. And so people, Jews from all over this area would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast, one of the biggest feasts that the Jews would celebrate. And so there are tons of people in Jericho because again, Jericho is the last stop before you get to Jerusalem. Jericho was about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. And it was an uphill journey and there was no place 
place in between Jericho and Jerusalem to stop. So it was the last place you would stop to go to a QT gas station to get gas or maybe to get a fountain drink. It was the last place you would stop to go to a Chick-fil-A drive-thru or take a bathroom break or whatever. It was your last pit stop. And you guys understand that. My family, anytime we travel to go back and visit grandparents, it takes us about 12 hours to get there. And during that 12-hour drive, there's about an hour, hour and a half stretch where there are no good exits. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, there's no nice uh, gas stations or restaurants to stop at. So before we get to that little stretch, I always tell my family, hey, if you guys need to go to the restroom or if you need something to eat or need to stop, let's do it now before we hit this little stretch. And it never fails. They'll be like, no, no, we're fine. And then we're like 15 minutes into it. And guess what? They got to stop, you know. But I just know there's like one more good exit and they're not going to hit another good exit for a while. And that's what Jericho was. People would travel to Jerusalem from all over. They would stop there, spend the night there, rest there, do whatever before they made this 15-mile uphill journey on foot or on the back of an animal. It was, a, it was a long journey. And so all these people are there, and they hear that Jesus is in town, that Jesus is in Jericho as well, and he's going to Jerusalem. And there's some excitement because Jesus is probably the most popular guy around right now. He's the most famous guy around. I mean, word has spread about him, about how he's brought people back from the dead about how he fed 5,000 people on one occasion and 4,000 on another occasion, about how he has healed sick people and people who have been ill. I mean, word is spread about how Jesus has taught and put the Pharisees in their place. People are believing Jesus could be a prophet sent from God, maybe even the Messiah, and there's some excitement about Jesus because guess what? He's now headed to Jerusalem, the city of God. People feel like something big is getting ready to happen. And what Mark tells us is, People are crowding all around Jesus. It's a huge crowd of people. And they form kind of this impromptu parade to just get a glimpse of him, just to see him as he's leaving Jericho to go to Jerusalem. And what I find interesting is when I study the life of Jesus and the gospel accounts, it seemed like people were always wanting to be around Jesus. People were always attracted to him. They wanted to be close to him. They want to get a glimpse of him, even reach out to him. People always wanted to be around Jesus. And the people who wanted to be around Jesus were not those that you might expect. Typically, those who wanted to be around Jesus were the outcasts and the outsiders. Those who lived on the margins of society. Those who no one else wanted to be around. Those who had been rejected. Those who had been overlooked. Those who had a reputation, those who had a sinful past, those who had gotten into some trouble, those who no one else wanted to associate with, those individuals always wanted to be around Jesus because for some reason they felt as if they would be welcomed in his presence. For some reason they got the sense that they would matter in his presence. He wasn't like others other teachers that came around, other leaders who came around. He was different. He apparently offered them something that they couldn't find anywhere else and they couldn't wait to get near him. In fact, Jesus even had the reputation of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's what he was known for. And so all these people in Jericho, they're gathering around to see him, to get a glimpse of him, maybe to hear him teach or witness him do a miracle, whatever. And right up front in the crowd as Jesus is leaving Jericho is this guy named Bartimaeus. 
And Bartimaeus is up front in the crowd, not because he necessarily wants to get a glimpse of Jesus. He's up front along the side of the road because he's always there. That verse that we just read a second ago, it lets us know that Bartimaeus was a beggar. He begged for money in order to survive. So he was in the same spot just about every day because that was the road that led out of Jericho into Jerusalem. And people would go to Jerusalem for religious purposes, on religious pilgrimages. And so most people, when they're in a religious mindset, they're a little bit more generous. They give more, especially during a holiday like Passover, you know. So he's there trying to catch people as they leave to collect as much money as he can because that's how he survived. Now here's the thing. Bartimaeus was a beggar, not because he wanted to, not because he chose to. Bartimaeus was a beggar because he had to. That verse we read also lets us know that Bartimaeus was blind. And in a day before a Disabilities Act or social services or anything like that, this was the only way a guy like Bartimaeus could survive. See, in this day and age, it was sad, but they didn't feel like that a guy like Bartimaeus could contribute to society. So his life was kind of just a waste in their view. He was just kind of in the way, taking up space. In fact, some people unfortunately believed in this day that a guy like Bartimaeus was probably blind because God was cursing him. He or his family had done something wrong to deserve this, and so God was cursing Bartimaeus, and so people wanted to stay away from him. Now, nothing could have been further from the truth, but that's what people believed. So Bartimaeus... His life wasn't worth it. He couldn't get a job. He couldn't make a living. Probably never got married or anything like that. He had to beg in order to survive. He didn't beg because he had to. I mean, because he wanted to. He did because he had to. And what's interesting to me is as he is along the side of the road begging for money, he starts to listen and hear that people are excited about something and so he probably listens more intently and he learns that what people are excited about is that Jesus from Nazareth is passing by is coming through and as soon as Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus that everybody's all excited about I want you to notice what he does the scripture says when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth he began to shout Jesus Son of David, that's a messianic title, by the way. Have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So apparently Bartimaeus, he's heard about Jesus. He's, he knows that Jesus is someone special, but not just someone special. He says, Son of David. Bartimaeus believes that Jesus might just be the Messiah, and so he cries out to Jesus, and I love how one translation puts it. Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, please help me. Do you hear the desperation in his voice? Bartimaeus in this moment, he is helpless and hopeless. He's helpless because he knows he can't do anything to fix his situation. He's hopeless because he feels as if his situation will never change. That's what he's been told his entire life, that his life will never get any better. And so in desperation, he cries out to Jesus. I don't think Bartimaeus would have cried out to just anybody walking by like this. I don't think he would have cried out to a political figure like this or another rabbi like this. 
I don't think he would have cried out to a celebrity or some nobility like this. Because you know what they would have done? They would have had him silenced. Because to them, he was just a waste. They didn't have time for him. They were too busy for him. They had too much going on for him. Bartimaeus, he was a nobody. They didn't have time to stop and see him, help him. But he cries out to Jesus because apparently he believes Jesus is different. So as he cries out, the scripture says that the people rebuked him and told him to be quiet. As if, don't bother Jesus. Don't distract Jesus. Jesus is on a mission. Jesus is going to go do something good. And besides that, we all want to get to see him too. And you're a distraction, Bartimaeus. Just hush. Be quiet. Nobody cares. And even though the people said, be quiet, look what the text says. It says, but he shouted all the more. Why? Because he's heard about Jesus He knows that Jesus is a guy that hangs out with prostitutes and tax collectors. Jesus is a guy who hangs out with the untouchables of society, those who live on the margins, those who feel isolated, those who feel alone, those who feel rejected, those who have been looked over. He, Jesus is one who spends time with people that no one else spends time with. And so Bartimaeus calls out to Jesus, and basically what he's asking him is this, Jesus, do you see me because his entire life no one has seen him his entire life everyone has looked past him or through him or over him or around him but no one's really noticed him no one's really paid attention to him and what Bartimaeus wants to know is Jesus do you see me because even though no one else sees me what matters to me is if you do because if you see me that means that God sees me And honestly, I believe that's the question that a lot of people in our culture today are still asking. Do you see me? Because let's face it, we all want to be noticed. We all want to feel like our lives matter. We all want to feel like that somebody is paying attention to us. My kids are like this when they play sports or in activities. They'll do something good and immediately they'll look over at mom and dad to see if we saw it. And we even tell our son Alex who's playing basketball, don't look at us in the stands, pay attention to your coach, or pay attention to the game, but he still wants to look up and say, did you see me? And we as adults are not that different. We want to know that what we're doing matters, that our lives matter. And Bartimaeus wants to know if his life matters to God, and I love what happens next. It says in Mark chapter 10 that Jesus stopped. I don't think there are two more powerful words in this entire passage than those two words. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. I want you to understand what's going on here. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to go to the cross and eventually rise from the dead. This is the whole reason why he came to the earth. And as he's on his way to Jerusalem, people are gathering all around him. There are people everywhere. And yet, as he is in this impromptu parade to head to Jerusalem to do the most important deed that has ever been done going to the cross, Jesus stops in his tracks for a man that everyone else considered to be a nobody. You know why? Because Jesus' priority is always people. 
And I love what Bartimaeus does when he finds out that Jesus had stopped for him. It says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now that line there, throwing his cloak aside, might sound like an insignificant detail, but it's not. I have up here with me what I'm calling a beggar's cloak. Couldn't really find one at Walmart, but I had somebody make one, make one for me this week. And uh, they did a pretty good job on it. I, I like it. I may just start a new trend or style here. I don't know. See if I can get There we go. They aren't really sleeves. They didn't really have sleeves, but they would wrap it or tie it around and wear it like this. It's pretty comfy. I might wear this when I take naps in the office every now and then. But anyway, so uh, this is what a beggar would wear, something like this. Might have a hood on it or whatever. But here's the thing. They would wear these at night because sometimes in the evenings it would get cool. So when the sun went down, they would wear these. But they wouldn't wear them during the day. It was, most of the time, it was way too warm to wear a cloak like this during the day. So you know what a beggar would use his cloak for during the day? He would go sit along the side of the road, take his cloak off, and he would fold it up in front of him. And this is what people would throw their money into. This is how he would collect his money. And then at the end of the day, he would then gather his cloak up and take the money that was in there with him. This was the way that he survived. His cloak was his life. And in this passage, it says that when Jesus called him, he took his cloak and threw it aside and ran to Jesus. It's pretty significant. Because what Bartimaeus is saying is, Jesus, what used to matter to me doesn't matter anymore now that you're calling for me. All the silver and gold in the world doesn't matter to me anymore because I know I matter to you. Jesus, everything else this world has to offer me, it pales in comparison to what you are now offering me, this new life that you are offering me. Jesus, whatever it is that you're going to do for me, it is worth far more than this. And so he throws his cloak aside to run to Jesus. And let me ask you, what does this represent for you? What is that you need to cast aside, throw aside in order to live the life that Jesus wants to give you? In the book of Hebrews, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. What the book of, what the author of Hebrews is telling us is we need to get rid of everything that's holding us back, everything that's hindering us from living the life that Jesus wants us to live, throw it aside and run in the direction of Jesus. So what's your cloak? What is it that you need to throw aside in order to live a life that really matters? What does this represent for you? Is it greed? Is it pride? Is it status, popularity, possessions, money? Is it a grudge that you're holding against somebody? Is it some past sin, the guilt of some past sin? Maybe some hidden sin right now that no one else knows about but you and God. Maybe it's fear. What is it right now that you're clinging to, that you're holding on to, that you need to cast aside? so you can run to Jesus and live the life that he wants to offer you. Bartimaeus, he threw his cloak aside 
because all that mattered to him in that moment was Jesus. And what I think is cool is what Jesus tells him when Bartimaeus gets to him. Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Now, that might seem like a pretty obvious you know, question or there's an obvious answer to that question because Bartimaeus here, he's blind. And Jesus is the guy who like walks on water and brings people back from the dead and like heals lepers and all that. So, I mean, what do you think Bartimaeus is going to ask for? What do you want me to do for you? Uh, I want to see Jesus. The answer we might think is obvious, but why does Jesus say this? Doesn't Jesus already know what Bartimaeus wants? Well, Jesus never wastes words. Jesus asked this question for a reason. In fact, I think he asked this question for two reasons. One, he wants us to know that love never assumes. Love always listens first. Love never assumes. It always listens. And what Jesus is doing is he's adding value to Bartimaeus' life. Because he's saying, I want to stop and hear your needs. I'm paying attention to you. I'm listening to you. Bartimaeus, I don't just see you. I want to listen to you. And I want you to know right now, no matter what weight you're carrying in life, no, what, no matter what burden you might feel like you're carrying right now, give it to Jesus because he is listening to you right now. Cry out to him today because he's listening to you. And also, listen to those around you because there are people around you right now, neighbors, friends, family members, coworkers, whoever, who are hurting right now. Love never assumes it always listens first but then i think there's another reason why jesus asked this question and it's because bartimaeus is important to jesus i mean again think about this jesus is the most important guy around right now i mean the most popular guy around right now and when he stops dead in his tracks to talk to Bartimaeus, what do you think everybody else thought? That would be like, you know, if the president of the United States or the governor of Oklahoma walked through our lobby after services, and as he's walking through and waving like politicians do at all the people around, all of a sudden he stops dead in his tracks, and he walks over to one single individual, shakes that person's hand, and has a conversation with him and her right there in front of everybody. What would everybody else in our lobby be thinking? Boy, that person's important, right? If he stopped for them, that person's important. Well, that's what everybody's thinking. Jesus, he's a prophet sent from God. He might even be the Messiah. If he's stopping for a guy like Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus must be important. See, Jesus is letting everybody know Bartimaeus' life matters to me. And again, if you don't hear anything else that I say to you today, that's what Jesus wants you to know as well. Your life matters to Jesus. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise. You have never lived an unloved day in your life. God created you and loves you. And that's why in the book of Romans, Paul writes these words, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Bartimaeus realizes the type of love that God has for him in this moment. And so Bartimaeus says to Jesus, he says, Rabbi, I want to see. And what's cool is when Matthew tells us about this scene in his gospel account, we're in Mark's account today, but when Matthew tells us about this account, Matthew says that when the blind man says, I want to see, 
that Jesus felt compassion for him. And that word compassion in Greek is the word splognizomai. It's a kind of a cool word to say, splognizomai. Can you guys say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Gesundheit. All right. Uh, yeah, God bless you. Yeah, it's a fun word to say, splognizomai, but it has an even cooler meaning. It means to hurt in your bowels when you see someone else hurting, to hurt in your stomach when you see someone else's hurt. When Jesus heard Bartimaeus say, I want to see. Jesus already had compassion for Bartimaeus, but it took it to a whole new level. Because in that moment, Jesus realizes all of his life, Bartimaeus has been rejected, and he's been alone, and isolated, and overlooked. And in that moment, Jesus hurt for Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus' hurt became Jesus' hurt. And so... Jesus does something about it. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now I want you to understand what's going on here. It's not just that Bartimaeus is healed and he can see. That's cool. That's awesome. But look what else happens. He also follows Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus didn't just receive his side and then, okay, I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. No, he follows Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus changed his life. And he was going to go wherever Jesus was going. And guys, the same can be true for us. We're all hurting. And we're all in need of healing. Every single one of us. And the reason why Jesus came was to let us know we don't have to stay where we are, but he can give us a new life. All of us are hurting and all of us are in need of healing. Myself included, I was watching a sermon this week with a couple guys in our office, a couple of our other staff members, and we were watching the sermon, and the preacher was talking about how he had gotten into some trouble when he was younger, some trouble with the law, and he immediately stopped as if he just said something he should not have said, and he started to apologize and be like, well, I hope nobody wants to leave the church now because I got in trouble when I was younger, and I remember thinking, what type of church are you a part of, man? I mean, do you go to a church where people have to be perfect? If people have to be perfect to stand up on the stage and preach, if that's the case, I'm disqualified. Does anybody in the room think that I'm perfect? Yeah, just go and raise your hand right now. Anybody? Okay, good. Nobody's being, okay, good. All right, I'm glad nobody raised your hand because I'm not. And I don't pretend to be. And this isn't a church for perfect people because perfect people do not exist. We are all people who have a past, all people who have messed up. And we are all those who have been covered by the grace of Jesus. We are all hurting and all in need of healing. And when we do turn our lives over to Jesus, he gives us the healing that we're looking for, that our souls are longing for. When we say we love like Jesus, we mean it. Because no matter where you are right now or where you've been, we know that God loves you. God has a purpose for your life. And we love you. And we want to help you as a church family find his purpose for your life. We're here to be a light in the midst of the darkness, to shine Jesus' light to this world. I'm not sure if you saw this story, but a couple years ago, a few years ago, there were these two high school students, Ben and Hudson. They go to a private school in Texas. Here, they're, this is their picture right here. And they look like average high school students. They play basketball for their private school that they attend. And they play, you know, different schools. And one school that they play was actually a prison team. It was a school inside of a prison and for juvenile offenders. And every time they would play this team, well, 
the prison school didn't have any fans. So it was kind of one-sided when it came to the cheering section. So Ben and Hudson, they're followers of Jesus. And they decided to do something about that. The next time that they played this prison team, they divided up their fans and had half of their fans go to the other side of the, of the bleachers to cheer for the other team. And the fans that went to cheer for the other team, they went all out. They had t-shirts made. They had signs made. When, those, when the players from the other team ran out of their locker room, they were cheering and clapping and giving high fives. I watched this story on the news a few years ago, and I remember those, those boys on the other team being interviewed and saying, we will never forget this the rest of our lives. And what was interesting is Ben and Hudson, when they were being interviewed, said, they said, we wanted to do this because we want everyone to know, no matter what they've done, they are loved. That's a picture of the church. That's a picture of Jesus. And maybe that's what you need to hear today. That you are loved. Maybe that's what somebody who's near you needs to hear today. That they are loved. Jesus let Bartimaeus know, I don't care what anybody else thinks of you, your life matters to me. And the same is true for you today. Your life matters to Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he rose from the dead. Because you are worth everything to him. No matter how you feel right now, we want you to know you've never lived an unloved day in your life. And today, if you want to experience the love of God, he is ready to embrace you. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for today and this opportunity we've had to open up your word and study this historical account, this story of Bartimaeus. And Father, I just pray that we can take from this passage what you want us to hear, that we do matter to you, that no matter what anybody else thinks of us, no matter where we've been or what we've done or what's been done to us, that Father, we matter to you and that you have a greater purpose for our lives. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus. And through his name I pray, amen.